Welcome to Season 12 of Delving Into Dance. I am Delta Williams and this is Episode 1. Today's conversation is with Edna Reinhardt, a creative dance and yoga teacher with decades of experience in dance education. Her career began in Melbourne in the 1970s at Mangala Studios in Carlton, where she practiced these disciplines and studied with her mentors before branching out and eventually settling into the regional town of Castlemaine, where she established her studio, Over the Moon. Edna and I discuss her foundations in movement practice, what creates a creative dance class, the power of teaching, and the magic of building community through dance and culture in a regional town. My name is Delta Williams, creative dance teacher and alumni of Over the Moon Studios. I would also like to pay my respects to the Jarjarong people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet for the recording of this podcast. I acknowledge that the Jara people maintain customs and knowledge through oral tradition accompanied by music, dance and storytelling that has been practiced for generations. We live, work and dance on the land that has and continues to uphold these traditions. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. I start by asking, I'm going to be extending from the topic of yoga and creative dance. What was your introduction to these disciplines? So in my earlier years, I flirted with contemporary dance and various dance styles. And when I was about 22, someone suggested that I go to Mangala Studios. I went to Mangala Studios and I was completely taken by the relationship between yoga and dance um, and taken by Dorothea Mangimelli's mm. teaching style was very inspiring to me. Yeah, beautiful. Because, yeah, the form of creative dance that was practiced there was developed by Dorothea Mangimelli. And the schools were established, Mangala Studios was established in the 1970s in Carlton. Mm. And so what did you most identify with when you went to Mangala and started practicing with Manjameli? Yeah, I, I think actually for myself, perhaps uh, coming from a European background mm. and the fact that she came from a European background and her interests in the broader arts were quite intense. Um, so yoga classes often involved talk of art, talk of music, talk of poetry and uh, the dance as well. So there was that combin the culture underpinned uh, both of those disciplines mm-hmm. and I, th- I found that really attractive and enriching. Did you find this to be very unique at the time during the 70s and the 80s when you were practicing there? Where, did you find other schools were incorporating these elements as well or was this really no. special? Yeah, it was really special. It was unique. Um, and that was the only style of creative dance I had ever done. Um, and and the fact that I had never heard of the of uh, combining yoga with creative dance before, and the yoga, the mindfulness aspect of yoga was a perfect psychological and physical warm up to mm. improvisation. Yeah, definitely. And do you feel that? Having gaining a practice of yoga 
as well as dance. Do these two like cross over and really enrich each other and support in more of a natural way? And would you recommend that for contemporary dancers as well? Yes. So, uh, I mean, it's very personal, you know, what speaks to you, but uh, yoga did speak to me and still does to this day. And I still practice every day. Um, and I, I think that the, the listening to the body, listening to the body and the mind and the breath, that uh, trio of awarenesses is incredibly beneficial for a dancer. Yeah, I, can, I definitely agree from my personal practice that that mm. really does enrich it. For sure and I also try to incorporate those elements into my classes as well and with that being said did you like complete specific training with dance or yoga in order to like fulfill this as yourself as, an, in a as a teacher? Um, I didn't in a formal way because that just wasn't available in 1976 it was you know barely anything going on um, so it was really a matter of being, which I think uh, in those days most of us were doing, we really apprenticed ourselves to our teachers mm -hmm. and so I, I, I didn't sort of think, oh, I'm going to apprentice myself to mm -hmm. Dorothea Mangimelli, but I, I was very, very attracted to what she was doing and I made it my mission to uh, sort of shadow her. Mm. So I went to every single class that was available and as an adult and I assisted her in every single children's class that was available. And so it was a very intense period of learning for me. Mm. And then really the rest of my dance education has been you know, going to training in other styles, uh, but really more importantly, just my own experience of teaching. So t really that's, my whole life has been teaching, my whole adult life has been teaching. And the so therefore the, the students, sounds terribly cliched, but actually the students are my, greatest teachers because mm. I, I go into a class and I think okay so we're going to do this and this and this and this and then uh, a student does something quirky and completely different and the class segues mm. into that other style and I find that inspiring and, and one of the beautiful things about the creative dance I think is that well, creativity mm. is the fact that it's like the studio is like a laboratory and you're just keep on creating a um, language, dance language all the time and, mm. and suddenly in a class a new word pops up or a new phrase, mm. physical, not, not verbal. And it's exciting, you yeah. know, that's really what it's about. I think that's so beautiful to summarise that in such a way. And everything that you just said 
um, just has a very unique understanding and experience of what a dance class can be like as you know a lot of a lot of us are more exposed to more classical styles of training and henceforth more classical styles of teaching um, but just wanting to go back a second mm -hmm. because also as you stated initially that you had such a unique you know apprenticeship in becoming a teacher and becoming a dance teacher as well which is very rare mm -hmm. and almost unheard of for a lot of people in this era where everything has to be certified and mm -hmm. you have to complete specific trainings and spend a lot of money and go to uni and it's so unique to have actually just being able to be exposed to like this is how it is done. Do you think you would have benefited from actually having a more modern specific style of training or is this what you really, the more, the more practical hands-on element? I'm not sure because I think it's really different mm. for everybody. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was better or worse mm. because I, I'm exposed to a lot of dance teachers, they work for me and they all seem to have, I'm interested in teachers who are unique and they could have gone through the VCA and be unique or as one of our teachers could have gone through the Australian Ballet and be unique, They're, you know, she's quirky. Um, this is just the way that I, the way that my life evolved mm. and um, I, I, I feel incredibly grateful. I, I feel very, very grateful for the training that I had and the way that I had it. Mm. I, was, I was lucky. Yeah, mm. for sure. It's really beautiful. And I think it's, it, it is all about the teachers. So, you know, you, you might have a teacher, you may or may not have a teacher at an institution that really, really inspires you and you know perhaps changes your life by the way that they've guided you mm -hmm. and uh, so that was really what happened for me. For sure I think that also just stems into who, who else has inspired you through this journey you've also you've spoken about Dorothea and other teachers and students do you want to just elaborate on that a little further? I, I'm not sure because I really um, I'm I think I I just pick things up from the environment mm. around me and so uh, some of the teachers who teach for us really inspire me actually they all do you know because that's why I employ them to to mm. teach for me because each individual has something that is uh, unique and interesting they're not kind of run-of-the-mill, mm. you know, just run-of-the-mill eyes and teeth uh, dancers, as you know. Yes, yeah. um, So, you know, I'm inspired by choreographers and, and dancers, you know, um, Batsheva Dance Company or Netherlands Dance Theatre or, you know, uh, I've... I've attended uh, many many dance performances in my life and gone away feeling inspired and enriched and and that has fed into my teaching of course yeah definitely mm. i think it's so yeah it's very critical for people to be exposing themselves to artworks and pieces mm. of the art style that they're really identifying with definitely mm. i find yeah going to performances is 
such an important element mm. um, and so beautiful to be able to support each other in these communities. I can equally, sorry to interrupt, oh. but I, I can equally be inspired by a three-year-old. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the, the way that they might move when they hear a piece of music and uh, in a very unfiltered sort of way. Definitely. And going along with that train of thought, let's actually discuss that creative dance in itself as well. Um, because, you know, people might be questioning, is creative dance like improvised dance? Or what are the elements that really define like a creative dance class? And you can do that, whatever example, for any age group and maybe going with the three-year-olds, like that really critical foundational age with being introduced to dance what really makes that class okay so I think sometimes it's a little bit frustrating because the the term creative dance is so broad you know it can be uh, you know it might sort of bring up images of you know let's all be a tree and wave our arms around or you know something that is formless uh, but I I'm, I'm personally, I'm not interested in a formless style. So, uh, you know, just say if you if you want that example, say of I don't know early childhood, which I find very interesting. Um, the the beginning of the class is about mindfulness. So, I try to set something up where children come into the room and have a have a sense of this being a special place and as you know you know having grown up through yeah. it um, it's you know it might be something about the way we set the room up with props or or whatever so we're not just going into an ordinary room we're going into a dance room and so uh, I'm you know might do something with my you know just whispering or we might do some design things um, and then we usually in my classes each of the teachers does it differently but my structure is that then I do yoga um, mm -hmm. with the kids in a circle and get them into their body and give them a sense of what is possible with their body in an unusual way so wow, I can lie on my tummy and hold my feet backwards mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I can pick up my foot and put it over my shoulder or um, so that kind of thing. But with children, it's, you know, very playful. Mm -hmm. um, and then we go on into some improvisation tasks and the music is... A very important aspect of that so it's it's structured improvisation I would say the the dance style the creative dance style that we teach so we will give them the children a structure an idea um, wow all these all these um, sticks are on the floor these chopsticks can you can you step between the chopsticks without touching them but then you've got to find the right music that mm. that um that complements that and that makes them feel in their body as if 
uh, stepping between chopsticks is right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because one of the unique aspects that I've found through my training, um, doing Mangala Creative Dance, the style that you first initially did your principles in, um, is that there's a big correlation and connection to the elements, yeah. which it can be really, which can also be found in a lot of yoga principles, such as yeah. fire, water, earth, ether, and air. And can you explain how the effects of music really inspire those kind of like characteristics that come through with these elemental qualities? Yep. So that was a, a very, you know, clear um, structure that Manjamelli used. And it was, uh, you know, as you know, the, the chakras uh sort of aligned with the endocrine system and then the, um, you know, the elements are aligned with the chakras. And for me, that was really, you know, um, that was actually quite poetic. It was a poetic, uh, inspiring way to think about moving. It was an interesting structure or template. Um, and we, you know, there were certain sounds that, that were more aligned with uh, those elements. So it might be piano would be aligned, you know, with, with water, which, you know, is aligned with the, uh, you know, I think it's the Swadhisthana Chakra mm -hmm. and, you know, that um, endocrine system. And that definitely strongly informed the way that I uh, learned and the way that I taught at the beginning. Uh, now I'm actually, I see it as a, as a way of bringing in the whole, um, you know, mind, body, breath awareness. And uh, I think I just unconsciously choose certain pieces of music that, mm you know, that, that speak to that. So, yeah, look, often, you know, drum music will be earthy and flute music will be, you know, more, say, you know, upright. Mm. Uh, but I don't consciously listen to a piece of music and think, ah, you know, that's a fire element or... Mm. I think that really also shows your intuitive nature, having taught for so long, mm -hmm. um, just understanding, you know, what age groups you're dealing with and what music will correlate with that. And have you been able to adapt, you know, through the through your time of teaching with different generations of people? I know you also teach boys classes as well. And like, what has been the experience with that? Uh, I. I've always tried to get boys dancing. It's like a mission for me uh, because it's always seemed odd to me that our culture is a bit um, you know doesn't encourage boys to dance very much and uh, I you know and I think that if boys want to dance they should dance mm -hmm. and you know I I'm surprised that I even nowadays in 2020 hear boys say to other boys Oh, boys don't dance yeah. and and I think that's uh, very 
inhibiting, of course, you know, because if you want to be a boy and identify as a boy and you don't want the boys to think that you're not a boy, then you won't dance, which is, mm. um, you know, sad if you, if you love it. Um, with the boys' classes, um, we, the reason we set up boys' classes is so that boys didn't think that it was a sissy thing and, you know, when uh, boys would even say to me, you know, Edna, <laughs> if a girl wanted to come into this class, would she be allowed? <laughs> you know, no. I say, no, no, no girls in this class. And so it's a kind of, you know, it, it's clearly a boy, boys' territory. Um, and, you know, and the class is a bit different, it's a bit stronger, uh, you know, more consistently strong. But then but then there's relaxation in it and there's softness in it as well. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I think it's really lovely to be in a space that is encouraging that because it is still, yeah, such a big stigma that people are still overcoming mm. and that is still really prevalent in a lot of places like that and that's really lovely to be able to support that. And even if it does mean having these segregations, it's allowing the space for these yeah. children to be and be, be comfortable and not feel as judged. And yeah. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, not everybody approves of boys-only dance classes, mm. but it's, yeah. I, I think it's a little bit like positive discrimination. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good thing to be doing. Mm. Um, because, yeah, so you have been... Over the Moon has recently celebrated its 30th anniversary, which is extraordinary. How did it feel to establish a dance school in a regional area such as Castlemaine? Mm, well, moving to Castlemaine was just a really happy accident. We we had young a young child at the time and uh, wanted to bring her up in the country and didn't really know where, you know, didn't have a strong idea about where in the country. And some friends just lived here and said this is a good place to go and actually that friend said you have to come to Castlemaine and start a dance school for my three daughters. Wow, <laughs> yeah. amazing. And you know being obedient I, I went ahead and did that although I wasn't I actually wasn't planning to start a dance school I was sort of commuting. Um, it, it's been I think it's a town that is incredibly receptive to the arts and so it's been a perfect fit. Uh, you know, Saul, my husband and I often say, you know, we couldn't have done it in Udnadatta or, you know, maybe, maybe we could have. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it is a perfect fit, you know, and I think it's, it's just a town that celebrates, you know, new ideas and creativity and... Um, it's perfect. It's been wonderful. Definitely. Have you felt there's been any changes over the decades of being here of mentality towards that? Because it is, Castlemaine's very well known now as being quite the regional arts hub. But were you faced with anything that went against that initially? Um, not really. I'm not sure if I should say this or not. Um, but <laughs> when, I, when I wanted to um, hire one of the church halls, um, the person uh, didn't want to hire it to me because 
he didn't want me spreading Hinduism around the town. So that was very <laughs> interesting and funny and novel. But that, you know, that was just such a small thing. Oh, no, well, actually, also, there was another church hall that we used and we weren't allowed to advertise the yoga part we're allowed to advertise the dance part but we couldn't say yeah so look that has I'm sure changed a lot yeah. and um, but you know I mean apart from that I think uh, what we have been doing has been really embraced by the community and I I love the fact that many of the people I taught uh, seem to be coming back and with their own children mm. and you know we've been teaching children of the children and that's such an honour and uh, I think the the young people who went away to get away you know from their hometown and whatever seem to be coming back. Yeah, that's really special to be able to see those intergenerational cycles. That's very unique. I love that. It's really beautiful. Mm. Um, and going on from that, what do you, what does community mean or feel like being at Over the Moon? Well, I think Over the Moon community is a group of parents who who are attracted to the arts, and and then. Uh, you know, there's, there's the parent community is one layer, but then there's the, the children community. You know, again, as you know, there's a very strong connection with the teenagers and, um, you know, they have their end of year concert and then they have their picnic. And that is, you know, I mean, apart from all the other things that they do, that's part of their cultural and friendship connection. And also I think dancing with other people is a non-verbal um, communication which I, which is what or originally attracted me to dance is, is being able to express something very deep that, that isn't, that you can't express verbally. Yes, yeah, definitely. I do think I, I completely agree with you on that philosophy of dance, having that power. Mm. Continuing on, as you mentioned, the picnic. Mm. Um, this is one of the things that I find particularly unique and really special and was one of my favourite parts of attending this dance school is that there's the end of your picnic where everyone comes together and we participate in doing traditional folk dances such as Israeli dancing was always one of my favourites and highlights. Mm. Can you just explain, like, what, why did you establish this tradition? Mm. Uh... Well, we were sitting at the kitchen table having a cup of tea at breakfast, as we usually do. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, we were just talking about Saul, who comes from an Irish culture and I come from an Israeli culture, and just talking about the strong music and dance traditions there and that, say at a wedding or a bar mitzvah or something like that, uh, when a particular piece of music comes on, people can get up and do that dance. And one of the things that I like very much about it is that it's not couples dancing, but that it's dancing in a circle. 
and circles are democratic mm. and uh, feel very beautiful. You know, it feels beautiful to move to the right mm. with everybody and move to the left with everybody and move in with everybody, move out with everyone. To be just one part of something that's bigger than yourself because I think sometimes just being yourself and having all that responsibility is quite, you know, a pressure. And but being a part of a group is liberating. I find being, yeah. you know, being an equal part of a group. So uh, I don't know. We we just thought, oh, let's. We didn't think we're going to do this thing that's going to last for thirty years, and people are going to come every single year yeah. for thirty years. Uh, but that seems to have been what happened. And there is one particular dance, as you know, Nigonatik, which is an Israeli dance. And it's so simple. It's, it's basically just walking, you know, and clapping. And I love to, you know, at the picnic, say to a grandparent, you know, they'll say, oh, no, I, I can't dance or something. And it's lovely to say, well, if you can walk, then you can do this dance. It's everybody can do it. A three-year-old and a 103-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I think that's definitely one of the most powerful parts about it is it really does show that dance really does bring people together and bring such a community of all ages, which should be really supported, I think, because... You, as you're aware, there's a lot of stigma about people being over a certain age and dancing, mm -hmm. which I find really, really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect example of how, you know, you've built this community that really fosters and dismantles these ideas and is super encouraging. And one of the best, and also just really makes people feel very settled and having a community like that, especially in a town that doesn't necessarily, Castlemaine is quite small, and isn't, you know, has been growing a lot in the last decade or so, but initially was very, you know, secular in a lot of ways. And you've brought, this school's brought a lot more kind of cultural understanding that isn't necessarily taught because most places just don't have the access if the communities aren't there. Mm -hmm. And I find that with music as well, you've just gone beyond those borders. And would you say that for yourself? And what else have you introduced or encouraged? Um, well, I mean, one of the things is uh, actually because you can't have well you can but you don't usually have mu uh, dance without music mm -hmm. and so it's been lovely to uh, see this music and dance culture moving along side by side developing so you know for the last few years we've had a group called um, the KGB, Klezmer, um, I think Klezmer Balkan and uh, Gypsy Music and you know they can play a wide variety of um, dance music and um, yeah it's been lovely to, to foster this awareness of other cultures as well you know, because I'm interested in um, other cultures. Yeah, definitely. I've personally it's had a huge impact and, like, been such a wealth of knowledge to be exposed to. 
growing up and I think it's fantastic to have that you know mm. just what fully woven in to the structures of your community mm. and just to be we're going to be finishing up soon but do you have any like final words about you know especially in regards to teaching and what you would encourage new teachers to start you know looking into or do for themselves in order to you know have such a beautiful long career such as yourself what, what would you encourage well I think teaching teaching yeah. teachers <laughs> that's you know that's what I have found I I found that uh, really the there are very few classes in all those years. I don't know how many classes I've taught, probably thousands. I, I've rarely gone away and thought, oh, well, I didn't learn anything there. You know, I always feel as if I've, I've learned something. And, and I feel lucky, I feel so lucky that I keep learning. You know, I, I don't feel as if I know it. And that's very inspiring. And I would say not to be disheartened because I think people you know if a class doesn't work or six classes don't work then great mm. you know you can go back and uh, adapt the class and not to be sort of you know I think people are often disheartened if something doesn't work mm. um, but I think it's really exciting because it's you know you're learning mm. and uh, why didn't it work okay next week I'm going to try adding this or subtracting that and also sometimes knowing that a class doesn't work because um, it's a windy day and all the kids have come in really hyped up and really there wasn't a lot you could have done to you know and and also yeah that judgment about actually that I've just said about a class not working well um, says who mm. you know uh, it it might not have worked for the teacher or the teacher might not have got the outcome that they wanted but it may have worked for a child or two children or you know or everyone and I think there is something interesting I, I think that if I, when I was in a class with Manjumeli, I'm pretty sure I heard what I needed to hear and that I took away from it what I needed to take away from it. And there might have been, say, 14 people in that room and I'm pretty sure everybody took what, what they needed or what they are ready for or what was going to inspire them and grew their own plant you yeah. know that's really beautiful thank you so much for being here today edna and sharing so much wisdom and experience with us today it was really fantastic it's a pleasure thank you thanks for listening you can find a list of episode notes and links on delvingintodance.com where you can also find a large archive of previous episodes including with carol johnson gideon orbazanik daniel jaber thomas fanoa and amrita happy this project relies on the listener contributions and you can contribute on the website. It also relies on the support of the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria and the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body. Thank you so much for listening.